Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 20, we find the incredible account of Mary Magdalene going to the tomb of Jesus and finding it empty. It was Mary Magdalene who was not only the first to find the tomb of Jesus empty, but also the first eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 20 and look at this incredible example of love and devotion to Jesus by this woman given to each of us in the Holy Scriptures. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus. We say it every teaching. There is nothing in our lives that will benefit us more, that will edify us more than spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to know his love, growing to love him and growing to obey him. So that's why we do these teachings so that you would know Jesus better. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Well, two chapters left. We've gotten through 19 chapters of, uh, of John. Stephen informed me it's somewhere around 90 teachings so far through the gospel of John from chapter one to chapter 19. Today we move into chapter 20. I'm excited today. I'm excited every time, but this is one of my beautiful wife, May, Mela. She's, uh, She's in Singapore now, spending time with her family and friends and uh, just doing a lot of, lot of Bible study, doing some ministry. And, um, you know, this is, this is one of her favorite chapters in the Bible. So, so I'm excited to, uh, you know, just been studying and preparing. And so today we're going to do verses maybe 1 through 9, 10, maybe 1 through 12. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your favor, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. Father, we thank you for our Bible. We thank you that we have this wonderful Bible, Father, just the living word of God to, to read and study and to feed our spirit and soul. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you. We thank you for becoming a human man for us for living a perfect life for us, for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word in John 20. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, John chapter 20. I'm going to read like verses 1 maybe through 11. All right. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. 
he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, I mean, this is what it's about, y'all. <laughs> I mean, our Savior is risen. Jesus has conquered death, conquered the grave. He has personally paid the price for the sin of the world so that every human being can have their sins forgiven because we're all sinful, the scripture says in Romans 3.23, every human being has fallen short, has fallen short of God's holy standard. And he has paid that debt for us. We all have a debt to God, a debt to the wrath of God. We have a holy God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are holy. They're perfect. They're sinless. And for us, it's hard to understand that, that even what we consider to be little sins are an utter abomination in the sight of God. That's why Jesus willingly allowed himself to be tortured on the cross. That's what it took for the debt of sin, each of our sin, to be satisfied. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right, Omela? To all who receive Jesus. Have you received Jesus today as your only Lord and Savior? Are you currently trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not just, it's not words that save you. Our words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. If you're not sure that you're a Christian today, you can simply go before Jesus now and humble yourself before him and simply pray to him, Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinful person, Lord. I know I've done wrong. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner and I, I know that I'm hopeless. I'm helpless and I'm desperate. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe that you became a human man for me and died a horrible death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Now again, it's not, it's not just puppeting words, it's the sincerity and genuineness of your heart that matters to God. 
If you're not sure that you're a Christian, go ahead and rewind the tape. Use the words I just used, but but genuinely give your heart to Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Jesus Christ will become your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your God, your King, your Husband. You'll be part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. God the Father will become your Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit will become your guide, your counselor, your comforter. You'll have relationship with the triune God, and you'll go to heaven when you die. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's just, it's just exciting. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is by far the most important event that ever occurred in the world, in the history of the world. After it's, it's the death of Jesus Christ paid for our sin, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the receipt that all that Jesus did at the cross and dying in our place, being punished in our place, was sufficient and satisfied the wrath of God the Father. And the Father proved that by raising him from the dead. If God the Father was not satisfied with the price Jesus paid for the sin of the world at the cross, he'd have left him in the grave. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that authenticates our Christian faith. I've said this before. Everyone else is still in the grave, right? Moses, still in the grave. Buddha, still in the grave. Muhammad, still in the grave. Confucius, still in the grave. Jesus Christ is risen, right? We have a risen Savior, right? Jesus rose in a bodily resurrection. Now hear me. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ they're not in the grave. Their spirit and soul are in heaven, conscious, alive and well. But their bodies are still in the grave. Jesus Christ is risen, body, soul, and spirit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Early on the first day of the week, early, while it was still dark, here she is, Mary Magdalene, the hero of the story, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary Magdalene is an absolute hero of the Christian faith. Mary Magdalene served Jesus. Jesus and Luke will turn there in Luke 8, verse 2. It says that Jesus had driven seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. I believe it's also in Mark 16, verse 9. But we'll start in Luke 8. In verse 2, so we can learn a little bit about Mary here, okay? All right, Luke 8, we'll start in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Okay. Now I'll read verse three as well. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So we see these women of God following along Jesus and his apostles and his disciples. And it says these women were helping to support them, Luke says, out of their own means, okay? In incredible women of God, right? 
just uh, looking to be a blessing. My my wife is in uh, in Singapore, and uh, just a just a wonderful woman. I mean, we're just blessed with men, you know, and, and of course men and women. But um, I have a we have a very close friend of the family named Lynette, and she, I mean, she lives like. I don't know, 10, 12 miles away, deep out in the country. And, you know, she came, she's an engineer. She's a mother. Um, she's a brilliant woman. But yet she she went out of her way just to bring me like some enchiladas. And uh, I mean, she never wants anything, right? She certainly doesn't want any money or anything. And, um, and just out of her own means will cook and go out of her way and cook extra. And actually, we have several people who do this in... Uh, you know, it's just incredible. She didn't even know the scripture was in the Bible, right? So they're 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 supporting Jesus and blessing them, right? And caring for them and obviously making food for them and stuff. So thank you, Lynette. Um, thank you. Um, golly, I'm trying to think of the other lady's name. I'm sorry. She's got uh, wonderful sons that come to Bible study. Forgive me. Golly, I should know the name. Eh? All right. So. Uh, Mary Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons. Now turn to Mark. Let's turn to Mark 16. And if I'm not mistaken, Stephen, it's verse 9. Um, all right. Mark 16, verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. So... Again, this woman was demonically possessed and Jesus drove seven demons out of her. And we see that from the time that happened, this woman has a heart to love and serve Jesus as much or frankly, undoubtedly more than any other, any other people we see. And that's a bold statement. But we're going to see there's a reason, Corinne, right? why Jesus appears to this woman first, okay? This woman, Mary Magdalene, is going to be the first person to see the empty tomb. She's going to be the first person to see the resurrected Christ, okay? Now, you know, I have a, a cousin, David, Learn's husband. I'm sorry, Learn is my sister-in-law. Uh, Corinne is my cousin, and her husband is David, and he's a historian. Um, he's an author. And, um, you know, this is one of the things that makes the Bible so cool, okay? If this was made up, if the Bible was going to be invented or made up, right, or if it was a lie, never would you ever, ever, ever say that the first person to see the empty tomb was a woman let alone a woman who had been demon-possessed, right? But you would never do that, nor would you say the very first eyewitness to see the resurrected Christ was a woman. 2,000 years ago, you know, a woman's opinion didn't matter. But the Bible is real. The Bible is true, and it just tells us how it is, okay? And we're going to see because of this incredible love for Christ that Mary Magdalene has, she's not only the first to see the empty tomb, she then has to go and inform the great apostles, Peter and John, that the tomb is empty. They're going to run to the tomb. They're going to look into the tomb, do what I would do. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Not here, let's go home. Not for her. She's not going home. That's the last place she saw Jesus. She's not leaving till she finds him, okay? The other two guys go home. The great apostles of Jesus, they go strutting home. That's what I would have done. Well, he's not here. Let's go home. I'm getting hungry. Time for breakfast. No, no, no. Mary's going to stay at that tomb weeping. She's not leaving. They can go, but she's staying. And because of that, she will be the first eyewitness to see the resurrected Christ. And then on top of that, Jesus is going to commission her to give instructions to the 12 disciples. So now you're going to have the first instructions given by the resurrected Christ to a woman, to a woman, to command the men where to go based on what he tells her. Never, if this was going to be a made up story, would you, would you make it up this way? You would have had Jesus appearing to some great, you know, just incredible, you know, well-known, respected man. The scripture tells it how it is. And so it's just, uh, it's good stuff. Like I said, I just look at this lady and she's a, you know, she's just a hero in the Christian faith. Um, golly. So where did I want to go? Um, all right. Early on the first day of the week, while it is still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. You know, it's kind of, I don't know. Sometimes it's kind of scary going to a tomb in the dark. Um, in Luke and Matthew, it does say that there were there were other women who, who uh, you know, who who went with her, right? Um, but they're going to the tomb while it's dark. Who wants to go to a cemetery and see a dead body while it's dark? Um, it's postulated that they're you know, um, you know, it, it actually says that they were going to anoint the body of Jesus because it had been done in a rushed manner because he had to get buried, you know, in time for the Sabbath. Um. And, you know, so here are these these women up before it's dark, going to a cemetery. And, and again, I wanted to mention, if you go back to John 19, just talking about the love of Mary Magdalene, okay, um, you will see in verse 25. Now, this is John 19, 25. All the disciples fled. Right. Peter denied Jesus three times. And again, all of us would have done the same thing. But all the disciples fled. Right. And they were scared of the Roman authorities. But look at verse 25 in John 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, Mary, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. OK, so here's Mary Magdalene. She loves him so much that she's there witnessing his death. She's courageous. She's not running. She's not ashamed to be identified with Jesus. And she's there witnessing his torturous, humiliating death. So now, two days later, right? This is, this is Friday. He was in the grave part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday. Now it's Sunday morning, early on the first day of the week. While it was still dark, verse 1, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary saw him on the cross, and now she's there first because, again, she wants to come and serve him even in his death. Verse 2, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, 
the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Again, why aren't John and Peter and the other disciples, why aren't they at the tomb early in the morning? Again, these people walk with Jesus. Undoubtedly, they love Jesus, but apparently not in the same way. It's just what it says. Nothing stopped them from going to the tomb early, but this woman is there, right? Hmm. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and informs them because they hadn't gone to the tomb, right? Now listen to me. I'm not, uh, I'm not making any points here, um, you know, about women. This just happens to be a woman. And we're going to see, you know, Romans 2.11 says that God does not show favoritism. The reason that the first person to see the empty tomb was a woman is because she's the one that cared the most. The reason that the first person to see the risen Christ was a woman, Mary Magdalene, is because she she loved the most. She cared the most, right? If you turn over to Luke, what is it? 747, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure it's 747. Luke 747, May, right? Um, you know, a woman comes in, some postulate this is Mary Magdalene, but it doesn't say that. It's an unknown woman, right? And, you know, she breaks a jar of oil and she pours it on Jesus. And in verse 47, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus had driven seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, and we've shown you scripture after scripture where her love for Jesus was. She supported Jesus out of her own means. She wasn't afraid to be there at his crucifixion. And she was not, and she is the first one to be at the empty tomb. And she will be the first eyewitness in the history of the world forever to see the resurrected Christ. And this is why. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Mary loved much more than the others in, 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 in several ways. Again, I'm not going to say holistically, holistically, John, Peter, the other disciples loved them, but she's there, right? Uh, I say this again. There, are, there is a, uh, a certain debate as to the different roles of men and women in the church, and it is legitimate, okay? As far as women preachers and teaching the word of God publicly, you know, 1 Timothy 2.12, Paul says plainly, the words aren't ambiguous. I do not permit a woman to preach or teach or to have authority over man. That's what it says. Some scholars debate that that was a cultural issue of the time because there was a massive feminist movement and women were rising up and saying that I can do anything a man can do. And make no mistake, feminism is not biblical. Okay, No one should be preaching because they're a woman. Okay, No one should be doing a particular job just to show that a woman can do it. Okay, but make no mistake, a woman is called to love Jesus, serve Jesus, right? Evangelize for Jesus as much as any man. Okay, um, again, as, as far as a woman preacher, that's a separate, a separate issue. Uh, the plain teaching of First uh, Timothy two twelve, Paul said he doesn't allow it. 
Um, you know, as a leader of kingdom discipleship, again, if a woman comes to us and she shows that she can teach the word of God with authority and power and clarity, you know what? I'm going to let her talk, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to. My wife listens to these teachings that I do and she regurgitates them. She does it in Bible study. You know, she doesn't do it in the pulpit. But the point of it is that God does not show favoritism, right? This is a woman and she's a hero of the faith, just like the men are. So we're not exalting women here. But at the same time, make no mistake, no one, no one was more on the side of women than Jesus. But he was certainly not a feminist. It wasn't a point. He wasn't doing it because they were women. It's simply a matter of fact, right? I believe it's, um, um, what is it, Galatians 3.18, um, 3.28. Stephen, does, that says, uh, you know, that in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, barbarian or Scythian, right? Um, we're all called to love Jesus and walk with Jesus and serve Jesus, right? So she sees the tomb is empty. She runs to, to Simon, Peter, and John. You notice John calls himself the one Jesus loved. He doesn't, uh, he has a humility about him. So he won't, you know, he won't use his own name, um, which again is just is, is a beautiful thing in itself, right? He's kind of renamed himself the one Jesus loved. Scott, that's what you ought to rename yourself. Gwenda, you ought to rename yourself the one Jesus loved. I want you to go into meetings from now on, Gwenda. Don't use your own name. I want you to say, good morning, I'm the one Jesus loved. All of us need to get a revelation of this, right, Jason? You are the one Jesus loved. John experienced, the author of this gospel, Uncle Dennis, experienced the love of Christ so deeply and so intimately that he doesn't use his own name in the gospel, but he calls himself the one Jesus loved. Do you know the love of Jesus so deeply that you almost forget your own name? I I'm certainly not there yet, okay? Um, but I'd like to know the love of Jesus like that. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Verse three. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. So Peter and John are running to the tomb to see what Mary has just reported, right? Mary Magdalene. Verse four, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now this is interesting. And we see, a, we have a look here into the different personalities of Peter and John. And certainly it represents different personalities in the body of Christ, right? You guys, you'll find this interesting, right? John remembers the event. Now remember, John could be 80, 85 years old when he's writing this. This event could have happened 50 years earlier, right? But the Spirit of God reminds him and he remembers that both were running when Mary told him this. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, yeah, Peter, history tells us, and we're not sure how old Peter is, but there's a good chance Peter's in his 40s, John may be 20. And so, yeah, right? John's a younger man, probably a little more fit. Um, and John tells us that, that he got there first. But look at verse 5. Verse 4, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So in the Apostle John, 
you see this kind of quiet reverence. In the Apostle Peter, you just see an assertive, go get them, you know, um, just forceful walk with Christ. You know, when you read through the Gospels and you just see the personality of Peter and how the Lord made Peter, and then you look and see how John is, you see clearly that John is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more quiet, right? A little bit more circumspect. And Peter is clearly more impulsive, right? You know, Peter will, will Peter is rebuked by Jesus more than any other disciple. Okay. Okay. But, but Peter is also praised by Jesus, right? Remember when Jesus, you know, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. Um, and so look at the, look at the personalities here, right? So John, it says he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not. So here's a tomb. So John is careful. So just picture him kind of peeking in there, May, right? He's just down on his hands and knees and he's kind of slowly moving his head to look into the open hole. You know, this is where Jesus' body was lying. I'm going to be careful. This is like a holy place. I need to think about what I'm doing. Maybe I need to pray about it a little bit. So you just see this kind of circumspect, thoughtful man, right? Look at verse six. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived Peter's panting, right? He's, <coughs> excuse me, hot dog. You know, Peter gets there second. John beat him to the tomb. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of Lebanon lying there. So look at this scene. John just bolts to the tomb. He beats Peter there, but he won't go into the tomb. He's careful. He bends down. He looks in. He's thinking about it. He's trying to contemplate the will of God in the matter. Peter, on the other hand, he's running behind him. <sighs> he finally gets to the tomb, looks down John. John's just bending down, looking at him. Peter looking at him saying, you know, I don't know why you're always doing this. Strolls right in the tomb, looks around. He ain't here. <laughs> so do you, do you see the difference of the, of the personalities, undoubtedly, I'm more like Peter. And most of the time, that's worse, right? Most of the time, that's, that's not necessarily a good thing, Peyton, right? He's just more impulsive. I mean, still, I'm 52 years old, and, you know, I can say and do some impulsive stuff, right? Even some offensive stuff, quiet as it's kept. Um, <laughs> then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. You don't see Peter bending down. You don't see Peter looking in. You don't see Peter worried about whether this is a holy place or, you know, whether he's going to see Jesus or worried about if there's going to be a dead body in there. Peter just strolls right in the tomb. He ain't praying about it. Let me see where it's up. I'm looking for Jesus, right? He saw the strips of linen lying there, verse 7, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. Look at this. The cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. Did, did that say that? Did Jesus take the time to make his bed when he was resurrected from the dead? 
He saw the strips of linen lying there, Peter, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus's head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. You know, if it had been us raised from the dead, May, we'd have just got up, threw them clothes off, just left it sloppily all over the place, right? I mean, Jesus took the time to fold that nice square, place it at the top of the other linen, keep it there clean, right? Jesus doesn't live any, leave anything, Chloe, in disorder, right? We had incredible, sweet Bible study. I mean, just beautiful, powerful, just genuine, sincere Bible study at the house. Good job, Peyton, getting that together this past Thursday. And, um, you know, we were talking about how Jesus always brings order to disorder and will not bless disorder. I mean, he even folds the, the, the cloth around his head. The burial cloth that had been around Jesus's head is folded up by itself, separate from the linen. He won't even leave that in disorder, right? You know, there have been some that have said, uh, it's interesting that the body of Jesus was stolen. You know, when grave robbers come in to rob a body and they're tearing the clothes off it, they, they probably don't fold up the linen and leave everything nice and neat, right? Undoubtedly, grave robbers go in, just tear everything off and leave, right? There were no grave robbers, right? Jesus is risen. Verse 8. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. Okay, so John sees Peter stroll right in, go right by him, doesn't stop. Now John gets up, you know, carefully goes in the tomb. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Okay, so now John goes in and for the first time he believes that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He saw the body was not there and had the faith to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead, right? But look at verse nine. This is so key. This is so important. Verse nine, they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So he sees the fact with his eyes. He sees his natural eyes. He's a natural eyewitness. Jesus is gone. He believes he's been raised from the dead. But here's the problem. Verse 9, they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to be raised from the dead. If they'd have known the Bible better, if they'd have spent more time in the Bible, if they had given themselves to the Word of God more, and if you and I will give ourselves more to this Bible, excuse me, we'll spend more time in the Scriptures, we too will be more assured of these things, Auntie Jackie right? The more time we'll spend in the scriptures, the more time we'll spend feeding in the word of God, right? The, just the, the more our faith will be refined, right? The more our faith will be purified and the more certain we'll be of these things, right? So they see the witness that the body of Jesus is gone. And it says that John now believed. He writes that he believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead, but they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The Bible said it. Can you see the importance on the Bible there? Verse 9 in John 20 is clearly saying more important, more important 
than what, you know, than the fact, Kristen, that that John and Peter saw an empty tomb was that the Bible said it. Right, Lauren? Your Bible said that Jesus had to rise from the dead, so Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They still did not understand from Scripture. Anything we truly don't understand about the triune God in this life is because we do not understand the Scripture. The more you and I understand the Scripture, the more we'll have understanding and knowledge and wisdom and genuine relationship, growing relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. It's so pivotal what John says here. They still did not understand from Scripture, May, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Right, Papa? Mama, they had to rise. They, they didn't understand from Scripture. This is why we do these things, y'all, so that we understand the Scriptures. The more we understand the Scriptures, the more powerful our faith will be, the more deep and intimate our walk with Jesus will be, and, and the more faith we'll have that all of this really is real. So John saw and believed. Okay, he believes Jesus has been raised from the dead, but he should have known it because it was in his Bible. Father, I ask you to forgive us, Lord, and help us, Holy Spirit, that we would understand the scriptures, that we would grow in the scriptures, that we would mature in believing and obeying the scriptures. Thank you, Father. All right. Verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And that's big. John and Peter, they saw this. They believed that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But, you know, it's early. He's not here. Getting to be about that time for breakfast anyway, Stephen. So, you know, yeah, let's go. You know, we'll see what's going on later. That's just what happened. Not Mary. Why? Why does it say this? John writes it. It's not complimentary. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Why do they leave? And why does she stay? Verse 11, y'all. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 10, verse 11, but Mary. And you ought to put your name in there, right? Put your name in there. But Linz. But Learn. But Esther. But Omela. But Mandy. Right? But Pei Young. Right? Put your name in there. But Hannah. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, but May. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She's not leaving, okay? They can go. Go ahead. Y'all go home. That's fine. I'm staying right here. This is the last place I saw Jesus. I'm not leaving till I find out what happened. I'm not leaving till I find Jesus. And because Mary Magdalene has that heart, right, Pop? Because, Susan, she's not leaving till she finds Jesus. She will be the first eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. We need to have this heart that we are not leaving till we find Jesus. We want to be like 
Mary Magdalene in this. I'm not leaving till I find Jesus. I'm not moving till I know the will of Jesus in this situation. I'm not doing anything till I know what Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, wants for me to do here and now. I'm not leaving till I find Jesus. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And we'll pick up next time there. Again, she's going to bend over and look cautiously, and you're going to see that she's going to see two angels. They're going to ask her why she's crying. She's going to think there's a gardener, and Jesus is going to be revealed to her. It's uh, wow. Wow. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are risen from the dead. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this incredible detailed account, Lord, of the first eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I ask you to help us to do a work in us that we would have a heart like this woman Mary Magdalene did to wait on Jesus, to not leave till she found Jesus. Forgive me, Father, I am... Uh, I'm worse than these guys, Peter and John, Lord. I'm always off doing my own thing and then just, just missing you, Lord, making one mistake after another. And I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me of this unrighteousness. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.